to the Toes on the Line podcast. I'm your host, Gio Grassi, and I think I'm, I'm at the point now where I can stop saying I'm your host because you guys know who, already who I am. But I'm bringing on somebody special, man, a, a straight-up dog. That's all I could call him, man. Um, 50 Cent gave him a shout-out, not literally, but in one of his rap songs. All the other hard cats that come from Yonkers, truly yours, left-handed pitcher from Fordham University, the 50th overall pick in the 2021 MLB Draft. From the San Francisco Giants, Matt Mikulski. Matt, I appreciate you getting on the podcast, man. You're my first athlete graduated to get on, first athlete turned to adult to get on, whatever you want to call it, first paid guy <laughs> that I coached to get on. <laughs> What's up, brother? How's, there, how's the uh, adult life treating you now? Uh, you know, the real world is hitting me pretty hard, but I, I wouldn't want it any other way. And thank you for – that was a great entrance right there. That was probably one of the better entrances I've ever been brought out to right there. <laughs> That, hey, so. there you go. Hey, crop it, seal it, and let's get it on the uh, the loudspeakers out there in uh, in SF, man. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, now nah, I just wanted to get you on today, man. We're going to talk about this whole, you know, MLB draft process. You know, your point of view. You know how things kind of went your way. You know the surprising stuff, the new things. Um, because kids from Fordham really don't really get drafted this high. I'd like to say in any sport. Um, and I think MLB specifically, if you're in the first round, you're a dog. If you're in the second round, you're a dog still. But you kind of got to work your way up that ladder. Am I correct or am I wrong there? No, absolutely. I mean, it, you're definitely a priority for the organization, but at the same time, like, that's the beauty about it. Like, there's no more uh, name on the chest, right? Uh, no more prospects that are, oh, they go to SEC, ACC school, and that's what's that's the difference between me and them, you know? This is an even playing field now. Like, everybody's on the same playing field, so let's get it on. That's pretty much it. Yeah, I like that, man. And you're and you're at the uh, point now in life where talent doesn't even matter no more because everyone around you talented pitchers, catchers, uh, you know, guys playing the outfield, infield. So hey, let's talk. Let's let's take steps back, Matt. Let's go way back. I never asked you this as a coach, man. I never asked you this. What got you into baseball, man? What got me into baseball? Well, funny story, like baseball was really it wasn't like one of my top sports growing up. You know, I was a football, basketball, lacrosse, and baseball player. I was a four-sport athlete growing up. And um, baseball honestly came into my life as a bigger, like, sport, probably 12, 13 years old. And that's when I was on some elite baseball teams that were going on um, some crazy, like, tournament teams and going up to Cooperstown, New York and stuff like that. That's probably when I really fell in love with baseball, like going up to Cooperstown, experiencing the Hall of Fame and stuff like that. And honestly, I didn't really become a pitcher until my freshman year of high school. So like from the, from there to now, it's about 14, so almost eight years of being a pitcher. So, yeah, I mean, I think, um, I think the development is uh, – is where like I kind of fell in love with the game. Like you see the results automatically and stuff like that. Sorry about that. Helicopter going over. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's when I really fell in love with it. Like seeing the results, seeing myself get better and better. And that's when really like carried me through college, to be honest, because you could just see each year really even by the stats too if you don't watch me like if you just look at the stats like i got better each year and then obviously the senior year exploded so you know it's crazy man i wish i would have taken pictures of you as a freshman compared to where you're at as a senior because i feel like you took tremendous strides you were like a buck 60 probably not like a buck 70 soaking wet you went from a real thin guy to a real built guy you know from yeah, a boy to a man 
in four years. Yeah, absolutely. And that's like when I was doing these club interviews and stuff like that, that's one of the things that I would mention. Like I walked into Fordham probably six foot, 165, 170 pounds and came out. I, I was still growing really in college. So I came yeah. out as a six, three, 205, 210 pounder. You know what I mean? So like, uh-huh. and pretty much I remember like, the coaches my freshman year being like, listen, if you're 165, 170 pounds, you're probably not going to fish that much. So I remember from the fall to the spring, I went from like 170 to like 185, you know? Mm. And that was just from like the seafood diet, going to the calf and eating everything, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. So. That's it right there. And I wish more college <laughs> kids adopted that damn method. Cause that, that thing works hundred percent of the time, but um, yeah, absolutely. And like, honestly, I come from a family where like, we're always cooking, always eating. So like, I've always had that appetite. It's just really just, eating more, you know, eating more than you think you could eat. <laughs> I guess right. that's the best way to put it. So, I got you, man. So yeah. let's talk about your time at Florida, man. So you came in, right? Your junior year kind of got, uh, was it your junior year or senior year? Got shut down with COVID. Was that your junior year? That was my junior year. That was your last yeah. uh, junior year, second last year. Okay. Talk yeah. about that because a lot of people, I feel like last year messed up a lot of people's draft position, draft stock, opportunities to get looked at and stuff like that. You obviously got, you know, the fortunate end of the stick where you, you had another year, you balled your ass off, you bang, you get drafted. But talk about COVID, man. Like, how, how was that for you? Um, how was that for you personally? Because I, I know what it was like as a team. And I really don't want to talk about that. But like, personally, how was it for you? Yeah, I mean, so we have the meeting up in McGinley. Coach Layton tells us it's over. And the first thing I could think about was like just looking at my brothers, my teammates, my seniors, and just being like, damn, like I'm never going to be on a baseball field with most of these guys ever again. You know, so that was that was the first like culture shock, really just like here's the real world just coming in and taking. That's when you really just don't know when your next day on the field is going to be. Right. Like there's some seniors who are in that class who never stepped on the field ever again. And it's like. For me, I think that's how I played this year, knowing no nothing's guaranteed. Like, that's why I felt like this was my senior year. This is my last year. Nothing's guaranteed after this. You know, let's go out with a bang. And that's what I felt like. That was a little thing that kind of motivated me through COVID. Like, those guys who will never play a, a competitive pitch of baseball ever again, you know? Like, do yeah. it for those guys. And, um, yeah, you know, the draft came up. I was expecting to go later in the draft and it was only a five round draft, but I was expecting to go later, like maybe the fourth or the fifth round, you know, the chips didn't fall my way right after the draft was over. I remember calling coach Layton and saying, Hey, I'm coming back to school. Like I'm not going to sign or anything. Like I'm coming back to school and I'm, I'm making a statement. And that's pretty much what we were working towards me and my team back home. We were working towards that all summer, you know, and it was just, it was one goal really the whole time. It was like become a 10 pitcher of the year. And Uh then everything else kind of just followed, right? Like just having that one goal, having that one mindset, I want to be the A-10 pitcher of the year because it's something that I just wanted so badly, you know? And um, I just focused on that one thing and then everything else came, you know? So Definitely, man. So let's let's talk about your time at your last year at Fordham. So what did you have, 124 strikeouts? (laughs) Something like that. Something like that. I'm looking at I got the stats right in front of me, brother, so I know what the hell it is. (laughs) Now, did you become Fordham's all-time strikeout leader? Uh, Yes. You did, did. right? You beat out out Stank? (laughs) Uh, Stank, yeah. I beat out Stank. Or Stank Stank number two? No, Stank, uh, I think he was two or three. But uh, the 
the guy who had the strikeout record for a single season, it was at like 115, I think, for a single season. Okay. Or something like that. Or no, maybe it was like 113 for a single season. His name was like Harry Barrowsley from the 1939 Fordham Rams or something like that. And then the guy who had the all-time strikeout record was Javier Martinez. And he's a little more recent. He's like 2004, 2007. But that's still not really that recent. If you think about it, it's almost 20 years ago. Yeah, okay. So you broke a record that stood around for almost 100 years. I I broke two. I broke the single season and then the the, uh, career strikeout record oh, and you, it's you easy get career strikeouts I, okay so you're like so you're playing now yeah we're playing but i'm not game okay. ready if that makes sense okay. so like i'm okay. so like all the pitchers that were drafted are on like a certain schedule when they're gonna be hot and ready to go for me i'm on like one of the longer ones just because i posted every weekend in college um had nine wins like no losses. So like I was just putting stress on the arm every single start. Uh-huh. So they were just like, we're since I stopped and I'm going again, pretty much like I'm starting back up. I got to kind of build my way back up. So they're building okay. me until August 31st. They're saying I should be ready for a game. And if that's the case. Then hopefully I get like two to three starts all like five innings long, no runs, <laughs> you know, yeah, that, that, that. that shouldn't be an issue that shouldn't be an issue all that good stuff and then uh yeah um i don't know what the future holds you know i know the last game down here is september 18th um, and um i don't know if they're going to send us home uh, i'm assuming they're going to send us home for a little bit and then maybe come back out here for january like instructs and stuff like that and then spring training so. Gotcha. And get it, get it ready to go. Huh? So, so what is yeah. it like a guy gets drafted like now, like basically like mid season for an MLB season, like that, like you're usually not ready to go this season. Am I right? Well, yeah, here's the thing. That's that like a top about three this draft. pick or something or. Well, yeah. Well, here's the thing about this draft, right? Like mo- usually the MLB draft is in the beginning of June. Right. So my, the last time I threw a competitive pitch was May 21st. Okay. Right. And let's say the draft was still in June, mm-hmm. I would have been able to probably move up pretty quickly because like I would have been able to be, I probably would have went on like a seven to 10 day rest and then just start pick up right where I left off, you know, like the, let May end out and then start throwing again. The draft is in early June and then I get drafted and then we go from there. Right. But since this year they wanted to build the draft around the all-star game and the home run derby, uh-huh. they pushed the draft back for July 11th. So like I was not throwing from May 21st to not, I wouldn't say not throwing. Like I was not throwing probably from like May 21st to June 10th around there. And then from there on, I was like building up for the draft, you know? Okay. So I think um, that could be a little bit of a, reason why they're keeping all the draft picks down here but like i know other teams are doing different things but like my thing is is i think i landed at a perfect organization for the kind of guy that i am i think they got a good guy and then i think i landed in a good spot so i think the san francisco giants is just like i'm i'm grateful for the opportunity and i'm here to work my ass off that's really it you know no they definitely did land a gem man because you know i always talk highly about you you know you never gave me one issue 
at Fordham. A few, but nothing crazy. Nothing crazy, right? We're not, we're not talking any uh, illegal, you know, stuff going on here or anything like that. But uh, they, yeah, they definitely didn't draft a um, a bonehead. They they like to call him in, at that stage. Um, let's let's go back real quick to Fordham, man. What was your favorite highlight or memory at Fordham, um, excluding winning the conference title? Because everyone says that. Right? Uh, you, yeah. you, you boys dominated 2018. You know, fair to 19. say, was it 20? 2019. Yeah, that's right. 2019. That's right. COVID throws yeah. me off big time, man. 2019. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you birds want to tear. You deserve that title, even though it ended off the way it did. You boys deserved it. You played your balls off. But what was your favorite highlight or uh, memory with your four years at Florida, man? Yeah. I mean, if you're not going to let me use, because I, I have a bunch, you know, okay. like, especially right, let's pitching. Run through them, man. Run through them. Yeah. Run through so them. Let's, let's run through them, right? Um, I would say my first. First one, go through my freshman year, probably the first weekend against Wofford. Went out there, ended up winning freshman of the week. Um, that was just like, welcome to college baseball. You know, like that was my wow. welcome. And it was just like, oh, wow, like the lights are bright and let's go out there and try to perform. And uh, ended up doing pretty well. Um, went after Ben Greenberg that day and uh, we ended up getting the win. Alvin ended up closing that game. So that was probably like my first that's like my first really good memory at Fordham. Okay. Then I would say fast forward to sophomore year. This is a bad memory that turned into a good memory. The last weekend of the season, we had to go to Dayton and uh, we had to win two out of three to make the playoffs. And being the Friday guy, you know, you always want to go in there, set the tone or whatever. But um, ended up giving eight runs up <laughs> to Dayton, absolutely just shitting the bed. Uh-huh. And my teammates ended up picking me up that weekend and, you know, you know, the rest, we end up making that little run, get to the championship. And the only guy left to throw really was me. So I get to get my revenge game against Dayton in the championship. And you couldn't write a better story. Went five innings, no runs, or I think like, yeah, no runs. And, you know, it was just uh, a great comeback story for then and then fast forward to the next week throwing out West Virginia that was probably one of the better highlights of my Fordham career as well you know going there and in a hostile environment everybody's telling you to go back home blah blah yeah, that blah was, yeah it was crazy down there I didn't go but I remember watching it yeah look look crazy then I came in I remember texting coach Layton because obviously that year we're going with John like you know what I mean he was the um. A-10 pitcher of the year, All-American. Like, we're going with John first game. So, like, I remember texting Leighton that night and being like, this game's close. Like, I want the ball. Like, I want to be in that game, you know. Uh-huh. And he put me in when, you know, the, and that's another thing. Like, Coach Leighton just always trusted me. You know, he put me in in a, in a close game, and I went out there and did did my thing, you know. And uh, then fast forward, obviously, we went on that, that crazy uh, win streak to end the COVID year. You know, it started off rough. Like, I think we started off like 0-6. And, and then yeah, we just we, went on a tear. You know, I think we, we went, went on like games. a Yeah, it was like, it was like a 10 or 11 game win streak. And I think, I remember I tallied it up. Like the score, like like the run versus runs against was like 72 to like 9 in that 10 game stretch. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah, exactly. You and like the me. thing about that year too was that I was starting to come into my own and we had John already. And then uh-huh. the third guy was Corey Wall. You know, like that might have been the best three starters in on the East coast. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. That's Hell just, yeah. um, 
that's a year where looking back at it, it's tough that it's gone. But um, we, you guys you know, would have repeated is, is conference champs easy. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, yeah, I, I, mean, I think so. That's also I mean, the, just coming, yeah, coming I mean, from the, the guy, guy who was on that team. Listen, man, the so. guys were hitting the shit out of the baseball, and you know as well as I do, Fordham was not a um, hit the baseball. They were like a small ball type of team. Basically, how late kind of we played to our we when we won the championship, we played to our strengths. Our strengths right. were small ball and stealing bases. Yep. The exactly. next year, our junior year, we were small balling, stealing bases, and oh, by and the way, we we're also shit. hitting. Home, yeah. yeah, we were also hitting home <laughs> runs on top of that. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, that's where it was just like, dude, that team could have been so good. But at the same time, fast forward, I would say my last moment would probably be. I mean, there are so many moments my senior year that I just loved, like. Seton Hall game, St. John's game, just going out there and competing. Um, but I would say the biggest memory that I had was beating the single season strikeout record and the uh, career strikeout record. Cause those are just like, that's just uh history book stuff, you know? And that's just stuff that yeah. you dream about as a little kid, you know, and just going out there and being records and stuff like that. And honestly, at the start of my Fordham career, if you were to ask me, hey, like, do you think you could be the career strikeout leader, you know, at, uh, as a Fordham pitcher? No, absolutely not. But along the way, I found that confidence. I found that fire and it just kind of kept coming. And uh, I just, uh, I don't know. I remember that that moment very vividly, like throwing my last inning as a Fordham ramp. You know, I wasn't really thinking about like, the dog piles that I was in, the the great games that I threw in prior to that game and the championship games that I've thrown in in my career, I was thinking about, like, the guys that I did it with, you know? Like, um, in my friend group at home, I still have three or four guys that were on the first baseball team that I ever played with, you know what I mean? So those guys are my, are my best friends back at home. And same thing with all my teammates at Fordham. Like, I wasn't thinking about us dogpiling, us going to West Virginia. I was thinking about the times that we had in the locker room, the times that we had in the weight, in the weight room, the times that maybe sucked when we were running or Gia was making us run, you know, like it was just the, that's what you're thinking about that last inning. And that's what, when I go and talk to uh, like amateurs at our facility, like guys who are coming up trying to make it to that next level, I tell them like, when you finish amateur baseball, you're not going to be thinking about all the tournaments that you drive to, like the tournaments that you play, the tournaments that you win, the championships that you win. Like you're going to be thinking about the guys that you did it with. And that's the memory that I would like to end it with, with that question, because it's just like, that's what it is. You know, I went out there and this is my last inning as an amateur athlete, you know, and that's kind of what I was thinking when I was out there against Bonaventures, you know? Yeah, no, that's good, man. I'll tell you what, my favorite highlight of you, man, it was this year. I forget what game it was, but you were having a fucking baller-ass game. It was like the second inning, maybe. You were just killing it, or third inning. I forget what it was. And you picked the guy off at first, and before the ball even gets to first, you're jogging back to the dugout. And it's like, dude, this guy's automatic. He knows when he's getting somebody out, man. That was awesome. I loved it. <laughs> I, I talked about that every single day for, like, that whole season. I'm like, hey, Josh. 
when I used to tell Greer, I'm like, hey, Josh, he picked the fucking guy off at first and he kept running to the dugout. He didn't know if the guy was safe or out. He just knew this guy's not making it back to first base, man. We got it. <laughs> that, that, that to me was my favorite Matt Mikulski play at Fordham, man. I was just dope as hell. I don't know how six. I think that might have been against uh, NJ. That might have been the first game of the year. Honestly. It, might, it, it was early. Yeah, it might have been the opener at home. Yeah, I remember it was very early in the season and you were almost in like midseason form at that. Point. I thought you were going to I thought you were going to say, honestly, the the pickoff against LaSalle because everybody always comments on that one because I, oh I picked the God. kid off at first. I picked the kid off at first and then I wave him goodbye and I'm walking to the dugout and I guess somebody was saying something to me and I just turned around and smiled and like the camera like zoomed in on my face. <laughs> <laughs> it was just funny. I thought you were going to say that one. But um uh, no, hey, listen. Yeah, nah. I always hear Josh. Josh number he uh, he went to a game once. He sat um, behind the uh, behind home plate this season. He said something. You you and you struck a guy out, and the guy was chirping. You were just staring him down back and forth or something. The umpire and you said something, and he was like, "Dude, Mikulski just stared him down." I forget who it was. It was either a player or an ump. And I just remember Josh like, "Dude, Matt was just guy was chirping. And he just stared him down all the way back to yeah. the dugout. Nah, <laughs> just I mean, walked it back to the dugout. That was the one out. thing." That was the one thing about this year, which, like, listen, like, I'm not going to initiate trash talk, but if I'm getting chirped, don't be surprised if I chirp right back. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like a lot of these teams, when I was thrown against them this year, it's their Super Bowl. So, like, they they think they could just say whatever they want, right, to rattle me. But once I'm starting to shove and I'm starting to pitch well and I'm dishing it back to you, like, because where I'm from, like, if you can dish it, you better be able to take it. Right. Oh, yeah. So like, it's the, it's the same thing where you're from. Like if you're going to dish out words that have, have no weight, you better be able to take words that have no weight. You know what I mean? I have nothing against any of these opponents. There's nothing personal against any of these guys, but if you're chirping at me, I'm going to chirp right back. Yeah, you know? yeah, so yeah. That, that's <laughs> kind of just like how it was. And like people, were surprised that I was doing that. And it's like, well, let's look at the dugout. Oh, all 25 of their guys, 30 of their guys are chirping Mikulski. All right, well, it's not that big of a deal. That's why I don't think like that really like came up or anything. Like if you were at those games, you could hear the chirps and like you could hear what people were actually saying. Uh And like, I remember my dad and my, and my mom just being like, why do they say all this stuff? And it's like, just to get under my skin, you know, but at the same time, like, it's going to take a lot more than calling me a redhead to get under my skin. So Yeah, yeah but we already call you that in the weight room. Big red! Exa- right? Exactly. Like, <laughs> that's the thing, right? So all these guys, they're, like, trying to get under my skin. And, I, and in the back of my head the whole time, I'm like, they don't realize that, like, our locker room is just a fucking row session. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it really is. Like, they, they don't realize that, it, like, they can't say anything that we haven't said to them before. You know, right. so it's just like I mean, shoot, trying, to, I, trying to warm up in the damn weight room is a real session. Exactly, you know? <laughs> like Corey Wall, you're gonna hear that like you're a, like you have like crazy mullet hair. You know what I mean? Like you're gonna hear that. So if somebody says something on the other team and they say that, you just look at them and you're like, really? That's the best you got? Like, <laughs> all right, here you go. Strike one, strike two, strike three. Curry Can Jones. you guys hit? Like, you know what I mean? So it's just like it's stupid because like teams nowadays like the trash talk isn't even like real it's just like stupid chirps and whatever i'm i'm over it like 
I'm at a level where it's just like, I don't need to go out and chirp people to be better. You know, like, does it make me better when you're chirping me? Probably. But at the same time, like, it doesn't really matter to me. I feel like you could rattle a hitter more than you can a pitcher. Yeah, but you'd be surprised, Gio. There's a really? lot of pitchers. There'd be, there's a lot of pitchers that get rattled. There's a lot of pitchers that you could see it. You could see emotionally how they change. You could man, see their listen, body language. Man, if I was a yeah. pitcher and something was trying to rattle me, I'd hit the I'd hit the guy in the box and tell him hold that, man. That's what you get. Exactly, dude. Your team that, but that's that the shit. thing. Like, <laughs> a lot of guys. Baseball's exactly. such a dog sport, man. <laughs> it really is, though. But like, kids don't think like that. Guys don't think like that anymore. Guys are like, oh, like. I just can't throw this one like right over the middle. And then like they try not to do it. They baby a pitch and it ends up over the middle and see you later. You know what I mean? Like kiss the rolls. Yeah. For me, like I've been around so many guys who have had such good body language, like a Kyle Martin, a Reese Kinnear. Those guys have such good body presence and body language on the mound where it's like, all right, like they are where I want to be. So, like, I'm going to try and do what they do, right? Uh-huh. Like, it's as simple as that. So, that's just kind of how I went about my Fordham career, really. Speaking of, speaking of Reese, did you – um you seen him play his debut the other day? Yeah, no. I, I, he's pitched uh, three times now. Two times? Three times. Three times now. With the Padres? Yeah. I thought he's – oh, shoot. I thought he only pitched once, huh? Well, so, what do you start, two or three games? So, it was weird, right? So, I, I haven't texted him or anything, but – Okay. That first game was against the Rockies. I thought he went out there and did his thing. Like at the same time, it's your first ever start. He probably blacked out. You know what I mean? So I thought he went out there, did his thing. That's what it is. I I mean, it's crazy to like a kid that I shared a locker room with for a year, like, you know, seeing that. But at the same time, like I thought he went out there, did his thing, got his shots in. And um, the next game against the Braves kind of got touched up a little bit. Didn't, I didn't watch it, but I heard he got touched up a little bit. And um, the game ended up getting postponed. Okay. So those stats, if, if they don't make up that game, those stats don't count. So maybe that's something. why. Yeah, because it gets washed. So maybe that's why you haven't seen the second one. But he's supposed to throw against the Rockies again pretty soon, if not like tonight. Like, I'm not sure. I could probably look that up and text you after. But, um, okay. yeah, no, th- I mean – my thing with Reese is like he was a perfect guy to just like try and be like, you know, like just try and go in there and lift the house in the weight room, go out there and compete, you know? And he was always like in my ear, my freshman year talking to me about like, dude, like you can't get rattled and stuff like that. Like my freshman year, I get rattled pretty easily. And that's kind of why like you saw like the numbers were pretty roller coaster, you know? Uh-huh. So I think like, that's just something like I've been working on and it's thanks to guys like that, you know, who've been where I want to be. You know? Gotcha. How, how much yeah. of an influence was, uh, was he and Kyle Martin on your, you know, um, development over time? Yeah. I mean, the, at the end of the day, like they're both righties, you know? So like they yeah. couldn't really teach me a lot about development because like at the time when I was playing with both of them, like they were both, I was, I was the only lefty on the team both of the times I was playing with them, really. So, like, for me, I had to throw a little bit different and get away with – I would get away with certain stuff that they wouldn't get away with, vice versa, you know. So, I think, like, you know, they helped me a lot with, like, 
showing how to carry myself, like showing up to the park and getting to work. Like that's where they kind of showed me that, but, or like showing up to the weight room and Hey, it's time to work out. Like we got an hour of hard work right here. So like, I think stuff like that where they helped me definitely. And then as well as like the amount of people that I have in my corner at home, like the team that I have at home is amazing. Um, from my parents all the way down to the guys that I'm working out with every single day and stuff like that. And, you know, I think um, without some of those key pieces in my life and especially certain coaches like you and certain coaches like Coach Layton and Coach Tatoma and Coach Glenn, like guys like that who saw something in me and helped me out throughout my career, you know, so. Let's talk about your um, your role or what they call it, the path to the draft. That's what they call it. All right. <laughs> so how was it, you know, you pitched your last game at Fordham. You know, it kind of sucks, right? We didn't uh, repeat as 8-10 champs this year. You know, but that ends for you, right? Life goes on. You got to be a man about it and keep doing what you got to do and get to where you got to go. What was next for you after you pitched your last game? You know, what did you do? Where did you go? Um, yeah, so pitched the last game, had the last series. Like you said, it was a tough season. You know, um, we just had some unfortunate injuries here and there. And, you know, sometimes that's just how – the cookie crumbles. That's how, that's where the chips fall, you know? Yep. So it happens, whatever went down to the combine. Okay. Um, which was in Raleigh, North Carolina. That was a blast. You know, I, I really just went down there for, uh, club interviews and media. And that's where I met with probably around 16 clubs and I got to be on MLB network, you know? And that's just, uh, it was a dream of mine, you know, and that I remember just like texting my family and texting my girlfriend after and just being like, I'm living a dream. You know, it's just like pretty crazy. The, the guys that I met there who were Hall of Famers, like Harold Reynolds and guys like that, who were just like um, guys who I've been watching forever, you know. And so it was just like pretty wild experience down at the Combine. Then after the Combine, come back home. I'm home for about two weeks I get a call it's the MLB draft and they want me to come out for the draft and for me I was like that's that's amazing like I get to go out there blah 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 so we go out there um get there first day was all right uh we kind of just like got settled in and stuff like that second day was day one of the draft so you had like the breakfast in the morning then fast forward, you're at the draft and you're in the suit, you're all dressed up, you're on TV. And um, I'm sitting there and just uh, waiting for my name to get called. And, uh, you know, nobody ever calls my phone. And, uh, and where's the, we were where's just the sitting draft there, at? too. Where's the draft at? Colorado. It Colorado, was, it was okay. Dem- that's right. Yeah, that. Colorado. Yeah. And um, that's also where, like, the All-Star Game, the Home Run Derby and all, all the All-Star festivities were. Okay, so, they're doing that one location. Gotcha. Yeah, exactly. So end up going to bed that night, wake up the next morning to a couple phone calls, got a call from the Giants director, probably around the 10th pick in the second round. And he was just like, uh, you willing to go here? Blah, blah, blah. And yeah, I was just like, let's do it. Like anything to get me the hell out of this anxiety and stress, you know? So I was just like, let's do it. And, um, 
yeah, you know, I, I don't think like I could have landed in a better place uh-huh. as a lefty pitcher. You know, I think um, there's a lot of guys that I could learn from here. And then at the same time, I feel like I can be a guy really quick. So I think um, that's just uh, the way I'm rolling right now. I think uh, I'm just going to continue riding this hot streak. And uh, yeah, that's it. The, the path to the draft was a stressful one. And it reminded me a lot of like college recruiting, like sitting down for these interviews and stuff like that. Yeah. But at the same time, like I'm at a point in my life now where I'm not stressing about like where I'm going to go. Like I'm at the place where I need to be. And now let's start all over again and work. We work from the bottom up and let's just work again, you know? So that's just it for me. Like exactly. there was just so much unknown going mm-hmm. into the draft. It was just like, where am I going to end up? Am I going to go to Florida? Am I going to be in Arizona? Like w- what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. Finally at this point in my life where I know where I'm at, I know what I got to do every day. I got a routine every day. Let's get after it. That's it. So that's good, man. The young yeah. boy, the young boy out of Yonkers, New York, huh? <laughs> all the way. Yeah, I mean, Getting put all the way out in the West Coast in San Fran, man. What what does this mean? What does this mean to your family, man? Like, did they see this coming at, at a young age, or was this something that just, you know, after your junior year of college, they, everyone was just like, man, Matt's really picking it up right now, man. He, this might be it. For him. <laughs> you know, like I've had like mixed reactions from my parents, like you do, when it comes you do to get, that, right? Like, because real, real quick, because you do get some of the parents that. When their kid's 10 years old, they think that kid's going to get drafted first overall in any sport that they play. Then you got some parents that are like, hey, do it because you like it. And then the in-betweeners that are like, I hope it gets picked up by the pros, but I'm okay because he get a good education. You know, what, what was it for you guys? For me, like, my dad was a college football player, played okay. at Albany. And um, my mom was just like a hardworking businesswoman, you know. So it was just like my dad was the one who was just like always like, you're going to be a professional athlete, this and that. And then my mom was always just like, she was always supportive and she was always like, Hey, do you want to do this? Like there was a lot of times growing up, I would have to choose between lacrosse or baseball. And like, there was times where I would pick lacrosse, you know? So it was just like, my mom was always the one. Cause I was always living with my mom, you know, growing up. And she was just like, do you want to do this? Like, it's up to you, you know? So for me, I think I say the mixed reactions from my parents because, like, my mom, she'll be like, yeah, I knew you always could do it, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, I remember her specifically telling me a couple months ago, just being like, something changed with you after that draft. Or, like, or something changed with you up in the Cape. Like, my dad told me that, like, up in the Cape Cod League going into my junior year of college, like, that's when I made the all-star team up there. And like, he, he even said it like each time I would come up and watch you pitch, like it seemed like something was changing with your psyche, with your, with your knowledge of the game, with your mentality, you know? So I think like, that's, that's where I say it's a mixed reaction, you know, like obviously they always supported me. They always had confidence in me, but I think like when they're, when they say like something changed, like the mentality, that's really what it was. So that's really what it was. That's pretty dope, man. That's pretty dope. Yeah. I, I like that. I like that hardworking guy, blue collar guy, New York City, bang, MLB. <laughs> I like that, man. That's awesome. That's that's a great uh great story for you, man. I love it, man. I wish you nothing but success going forward, man. But I gotta hang this on you real quick, man. 
And this ain't bad either. It's just a question. (laughs) (laughs) All right. If you didn't get drafted, I I ask this to all my podcast guests that come on, right? I I usually ask them if you're not coaching, what else would you be doing? Blah, blah, blah. Right. If you didn't get drafted, right. You got your Fordham degree, right. You finished your Fordham degree. Yeah, I'm I'm done. So basically you're, you're, or, or you're finishing it up, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you don't, if everything in a parallel universe, you're just a dweeb Matt Mikulski that plays baseball, but is not as great as he is in this universe, right? What would you be doing with your life right now? Right now. Today. Well, I mean. August 4th. Yeah, like, I feel like it could have gone one or two ways, you know? Like, I think if I was, like, I really want to use my Fordham degree for something, I think I'd probably want to go into, like, the analyst field that type of field or even like pr for a professional baseball team or something like that so if i wanted to use the degree i would say that if not and if i just wanted to live like a simple man life like i'd probably just do like i don't know construction and landscaping with a couple of my boys from back home (laughs) construction and landscaping it's not bad yeah makes some good money yeah exactly let me ask you this. This is a remix question right here. If you were a right-handed pitcher, do you still get drafted in the same place? Uh, second round. Not not 50th, but second round. What do you think? If I was a right-handed pitcher, I think I would have gotten drafted, but I don't know if I would have gotten drafted 50th. I think, okay. like, what makes it so spectacular is it's upper 90s from the left side from a smaller school. You know, like lefty is always a commodity. Uh-huh. And I just think like the narrative of like a righty, like a righty's going to have to be thrown a hundred consistently almost like okay. to get that type of, or like throwing 95 consistently with three other plus plus pitches, you know, to be getting that type of recognition. You know, I think like, don't get me wrong. Like I've worked hard to get to the spot where I'm at, but like at the same time, I do have a bit of an advantage being a lefty. So I think like, I think, um, I don't know. I have confidence in my abilities. And so maybe from the, I mean, I don't know about the right side, but in a parallel universe, if I was a righty, I would, I would say, yeah, why not? 50. Still get drafted, (laughs) huh? That confident in yourself. I like that shit. (laughs) I mean, at the end of the day, like you take everything else away, there's still intangibles to this stuff, you know, like. That's right. Does that he, is right. That is right. Like there's there's certain intangibles that don't show up on paper. And that that's there's even physical intangibles that should, don't show up on paper. You know, like the fact that I'm all arms and legs that never shows up on paper. But like yeah, on the mound, yeah, on the mound is just like <laughs> on the mound, you're seeing all <laughs> arms and legs come at you. So it's just like it's definitely different. Yeah, that's funny because now you do have some great intangibles. It's funny because I remember talking to a uh, coach, you know, over these past couple months about you. Um, MLB guy called, you know, to inquire in about you. And I was like, man, listen, I barely coached this guy all spring. And he was like so confused about the damn thing. I'm like, this is routine. He comes in, does his thing. I don't talk to him on Mondays. I don't talk to him on Tuesdays. We might talk on Thursday. And he's out there on Saturday or Friday, whenever, whatever day he's fucking pitching these days. But yeah, no, it's, yeah. Just, it's funny. They, they found that weird. I'm like, listen, the kid knows what he's got to do. He's got that going for him. Like he know he has a routine. I don't bother him. He knows what the lift is. He doesn't bother me. I got work to do. You know, he comes in on the open hour, but you do got some good intangibles. I'll give you that. Tough as hell. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, I think, like, going easiest, back the to, like, easiest the guys to coach. Thing. I'm about to say real quick, the easiest guys to coach 
or the guys you don't got to coach. Yeah. yeah. The guys who just know like what they have to do, what type of work they have to fucking put in, you know? And I think like, yeah, that's where I was just like, especially this year, this past year, like I fell into a routine, right? Like, like you said, like he would just show up and get to work. But like, that's in my mind, it's like, all right, it's Monday. I got to do this, 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 and this. All right. It's Tuesday. I got to do this, 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 and this. All right. Wednesday, this, 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 and this. So it's just like, for me, like falling into a routine like that, that's when you're going to see like the best results in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, good stuff, man. Listen, man, I appreciate you taking the time off to get on, man. You're down in Arizona doing your thing. I know we got a little confused with the time difference, but that's all right, man. You'll get, you'll get used to it. As a, as <laughs> yeah, a exactly. I got to start getting west, used man. to it. <laughs> you got to start. Uh, you got to start having two watches on you. The left wrist watch is like California time. The right one's New York time. Just so you're up to date on both coasts, man. You know what's going on, man. But listen, brother, I appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks for jumping on and, you know, talking a little bit of shop with me, man, about your whole, um, you know, progress, um, you know, progress and process of getting drafted so i think you know it's good to hear fun to hear and you know wish you nothing but the best big dog yeah absolutely thank you for having me real quick hey real quick before i let you go no and you don't got to share any top secret stuff that you do man right you're at the level now where talent right I, I, we talked about this earlier before we started recording right talent overrules everyone's got it right what yeah. do you think you need to do different now compared to anything different you had to do at fordham what do i think i got to do different now I think because yeah. remember you're getting paid to play the game now, right? They say you get paid in college, but at the same time, someone could take your job at this level, trying to keep your job and continue to get paid. What do you think you got to do different to continue? Yeah. To I think kind of having, having that mentality, you know, having that mentality, we're like, yeah, this, this is my dream. You know, it's my dream to play in the majors, but at the same time, it's a job. So there's always somebody to be chasing. There's always somebody chasing you. Right. So like, that's just the nature of the beast. And it's what I signed up for. You know, I'm just like, I think um, another thing is just like what everybody asked me, what do you need to improve? What do you need to improve? I'm just like, for me, I think it's fine, fine tuning the armor, right? Like throwing fastballs consistently harder, throwing changeups consistently breaking, throwing curveballs that are consistently landing, throwing sliders that are consistently getting swing and misses. So like, mm -hmm. I think that's what it is. Like you saw glimpses of it this year, like where I was dominant and I was, I mean, I was pretty overall dominant, but like you saw some glimpses where it was just like, all right, like he's a little bit low today or like he's a little bit here today, but I was still able to pitch around that. So I think that's pretty much what I need to just do. Just focus on being perfect as perfect as I could possibly be in an imperfect sport. Right. Right. That's going to be tough, yeah. but that's a challenge, yeah. right? You know what you're that's the challenge. It's, it's what I signed up for. Exactly. All right, man. I just hope that like, in like two to four years from now, I'm turning on ESPN one morning and it's breaking news. Matt Mikulski signs a 20-year deal with the New York Yankees and we'll bring you back home in the Bronx, baby. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's what I don't I know want. about four. Yeah, I don't know listen, about four. But. That's what I want for you. It'd be great. It'd be great if San Fran locked you down long term. That'd be awesome for any organization you play for. But you're there now. Get it done there. Build your resume and, you know, hopefully the finances, you know, take care of themselves, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. All right, brother. Listen, we'll Thank be in touch, right, man? Yeah, absolutely.